I'm not sure what to call this segment. Uh, it's actually just a bit of information uh, Global News uh, recently got from the Ministry of Transportation here in British Columbia. Uh, it's, it has something to do with our uh, commuting, particularly uh, the bottlenecks, which of course are our bridges. Uh, so Global News just asked for some um, basic information in regards to what does the monthly average daily traffic look like on our, some of our major bridges. So we asked for Port Man Bridge, Alex Fraser Bridge, Ironworkers, a Memorial Bridge, and of course Lionsgate. So south of the Fraser, uh, heading to the south of the Fraser, and north of the Fraser. So I'm going to pick a random year, which is 2020, and uh, the last full year, 2023. And I've, I've chosen May to give uh, uh, folks sort of a sense of, of what traffic looks like. So in May of 2020, the average monthly daily traffic on the Portman Bridge was 133,000 vehicles, 133,316. In 2023, that's May of 2023, it's up to 175,608. Of course, a lot of that was impacted by COVID, but it gives you a sense of how much the numbers have grown. Now, the previous year in 2019 was about 155. So, you know, you're still seeing significant growth uh, of vehicle traffic on the Portman. That's monthly average daily traffic. So 175,000 as of last year in May. Now, let's go over to the Alex Fraser Bridge for a second. 63,000 people in 2020, May of 2020, um, was the average daily traffic on uh, the Alex Fraser Bridge. Now let's fast forward to 2023. 111,286 was the monthly average daily traffic. So once again, a significant increase for Portman and Alex Fraser. Let's go over to the North Shore for a moment. This is what's interesting here. Ironworkers, uh, in May of 2020, uh, the uh, the average monthly traffic, daily traffic, sorry, was 87,553. Uh, and in 2023, that went to, uh, just sorry, sorry, I got that one wrong. Sorry about that. 125,992, and it went down to 121,164. So it's actually dropped 4,000 uh, vehicles. Lionsgate Bridge, same sort of thing. Uh, 61,507 in 2019 of May. 57,377. Once again, the vehicle monthly average daily traffic went down. So what's happening here and what can we extrapolate from that? Now, there is only four bridges, I admit that. But the numbers seem to be increasing on the south of Fraser, holding steady or decreasing on the two major bridges heading into the North Shore. And what does that mean in regards to prioritizing, uh, you know, the building of infrastructure uh, here in Metro Vancouver? Joining me to talk about the issue is Andy Yan, urban planner and an associate professor in urban studies and director of the city program at Simon Fraser University. Andy, thank you for joining us. Always a pleasure, Chaz. So I was just going through the numbers, and I hope they weren't too convoluted for, for folks, but generally <laughs> speaking, 155,000 daily users in May of 2019 on Portman, up to 175, Alex Fraser, similar sort of thing, uh, numbers mm-hmm. going up. What does this tell you in regards to just these four bridges? Well, I think it really highlights where the population growth is happening in the region. But it's not only the population growth, but also the type of jobs and where those jobs can find a place to live. And I think that that's really, I think, interesting to kind of see these patterns and really how much this has towards talking about economic development as well as population and transportation and affordable housing in this region. Why do you think, and I'm not sure if you'd have the answer, but why do you think the numbers just on those bridges uh, are are actually decreasing to the North Shore? Well, I think it may actually have a lot to do with 
the kind of work that that population is living on the North Shore, that, if you will, I think there are perhaps many people living on the North Shore who are in jobs where they can uh, stay at home, where they can work for part of the week at home versus, say, those who live south of the Fraser. I mean, here's a really interesting number to add on to everything else. Uh, One third of everybody who works in transportation and warehousing in Metro Vancouver lives in Surrey. Uh, A quarter, 28 percent of all the manufacturing jobs in Metro Vancouver those people live in Surrey. And those are jobs where you have to show up, where you have to show up at a place to work, as opposed to telemute or to work from home, that I think really highlights the changes between the two, the bridge traffic. Mm-hmm. Um, so how do you think this impacts our decision making in regards to physical infrastructure uh, and just spending of public dollars? How, how, what should we extrapolate from that and how should that impact our decision making? Well, I think that it really emphasizes the importance of transit investment south of the Fraser. That I think that it's a transit investment through which isn't just necessarily just getting in and out of, say, downtown Vancouver, but is a network of transit that goes through the each respective city south of the Fraser and can interconnect them as opposed to, say, have them drain in and drain out of the city of Vancouver, whereas, say, in the district of North Vancouver, or, sorry, the North Shore, it's going to be a much, I think, different kind of pattern that perhaps goes into really how we can and where we prioritize our transportation projects. Uh, there was a talk many years ago in my early days as a reporter to actually build another crossing to the North Shore that would come into Vancouver, uh, it would be a tunnel, and it would come out on First Avenue. And of course, it was kibosh. There was lots of uh, lots of, uh, of uh, debate, as there always is with any. That's right in my neighborhood, Jazz. That's a terrible <laughs> idea. That's a horrible idea. Oh, I know, I know. We fight over everything, but but in yes. regards to uh, making those decisions, are we set yeah. up properly? And what I mean by that is, every two or three months recently, we've had a TransLink right. press conference with the same mayor saying. We need money for TransLink. And Brad West will be there. Malcolm Brody will be there. Brandon Locke will be there. They'll point to the provincial government. They'll go to the federal government. They'll travel to Ottawa to get some more money. And usually the answer is no, at this point anyway. Um, do we need to be set up differently in regards to how we fund this stuff now? Because, I mean, TransLink has an existential challenge in that every time somebody buys an electric vehicle, no one's putting paying money into the TransLink fee to pay for it. Unlike the rest of us, mm-hmm. still drive fossil fuel vehicles. So, uh, do we need to change the way we generate dollars? How we pay for this stuff? I think so. I think that that's going to be one of the kind of key challenges in terms of the future governance of the region. Is how are we going to pay for transit? How are we going to even maintain our existing road infrastructure? That, given the kind of decline in gas. Uh, gas gas tax revenue. Um, how might that system look like in terms of 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 of, of payment of of relief uh, financing the kind of transportation system that keeps our region moving? Um, is there a region that does this well? I mean, I just I get frustrated with with three levels of government, uh, four if you add in the Metro Vancouver Board. Uh, is there a region in this country, or even in North America, you think does does it well in regards to having funding available, or you know dealing with some of these challenges in in a quick enough form? 
I think everyone's struggling. I, I think the thing about North America is the fact that we are very much cursed with a system that was completely built on legacy technology, a.k.a. the single occupant car. Mm-hmm. And I think that that's a legacy technology that we have to slowly get off of and in itself then look at other systems of transportation, of mass transit, of really something that is by far more sustainable and look at, say, how other systems build their uh, build in finance as well as infrastructure um, around the world. Hmm. Andy, thank you for your time. I just found these numbers incredibly fascinating because, mm-hmm. you know, I keep hearing about North Shore's growing <laughs> and they've had a SkyTrain study out there. And I know they are growing. But when I look mm-hmm. at the numbers, I go, they're actually decreasing. And I tell you, the minister is going to look at that and go, wait a minute here. I need. I don't need to rush to, 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 to do something over there. I'm just going to extend Highway 1 further into Abbotsford and Chilliwack because that may generate me some votes. Well, that brings in other problems, but then I think it's certainly talking about the importance of transit and investment in trans and in sustainable transportation south of the Fraser, as well as land use and housing uh, development. So I think that it's how integrated the system is and really how, I think, complicated it is. But I think it does come into rethinking our priorities. Andy, thank you. Always a pleasure. For most of us, crime is something we see on the news. We never think it could happen to us until it does. Loved ones are gone, and for the survivors, the scars will never heal. I'm Nancy Hickst, a senior crime reporter for Global News. And on this season of Crime Beat, I'll take you inside some of the most serious crime stories I've covered. Season six of Crime Beat is available now on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Amazon Music, and all podcast platforms.